George Stevens, creator of such masterpieces as Giant and his Academy Award winning A Place in the Sun, enlarges the scope of the screen with a motion picture whose monumental background is matched by the stature of its moving human drama. Drama that began when a mysterious stranger rode in from out of nowhere to play a decisive role in the lives of these rugged pioneers. You call me Shane. Shane, who attracted the woman with his quiet strength, who fascinated the boy with the glint of his gun. We'd all be much better off if there wasn't a single gun left in this valley. A gun is as good or bad as a man using it. From the clash of elemental forces, George Stevens has created a motion picture unforgettable for its spectacle and scope, its great human story, its deadly conflict. I've heard about you. What have you heard, Shane? I've heard that you're a low-down Yankee liar. introduction. Uh, that is a clip from the trailer for the 1953 movie called Shane. And this episode, it's a collaboration between me and Andrew Curley, who hosts the podcast Indians Watching Cowboys. Premise of that podcast is natives review Western movies. And thankfully, Andrew let me choose the movie for this week, and that is Shane, a movie I hold very dear to my heart. Uh, it's something I watch with my grandfather a lot. As you can tell, it's been a while since I put anything out, so I want to say thank you to Andrew for letting me put this out on Wish Date. Thank you uh, for his time, as well as thank you for listening. This is the Wish Date and Indians Watching Cowboys collaboration. In this episode, we're talking about the 1953 film known as Shane. And it, 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 I chose this one specifically because I've watched this one a long time. Uh, I can't really tell you a number of times that i've watched it but it ranges between at least 20 to 30 times in my lifetime wow really yeah i didn't realize that yeah it, it's 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 definitely a choice of my grandfather he had the book and so like i could remember scenes vividly vividly uh-huh. even now i could replay the movie in my head if i wanted to wow that's you have that really well known then yeah i also thought the uh one of the villains was just pretty memorable the gunfighter yeah at the end yeah he yeah, that was, that guy was very stereo. He's he kind of fit the archetype of the Western gunslinger. Yeah, <laughs> his his in the movie his name was Jack Wilson, but in real life the actor's name is um, Jack Palance. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like so a pretty famous. You, do you know who that guy is? Uh -huh. Jack, you don't know? Uh, he's like a famous like Western person. Oh, okay. He's got like a very memorable like face. Things that I'm learning. Yeah, I I've, I always thought that if like they made 
Batman during his time, he would make a great Joker. He'd be a good Batman? No, better Joker. Oh, better Joker. Yeah, he's okay. got that he's, menacing, like, quietness to he's him. He's got the evil face. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, this this movie was made in 1953, and... Do you um, want me to read the plot summary? I have it in front of me. If oh, yeah, go for it. Go yeah, for it. I mean, um, sorry, we're doing a slightly different format. This is uh, um, off-the-cuff is the format because uh of my poor organizing and uh but we needed to get this through and uh so this is um going to be an emphasis that's going to be moved to to talking about not only the movie and its representation of natives but also political economy so we're going to be thinking about the context of cattle ranching and westerns <laughs> and gunslinging uh that kind of serve as a backdrop for this film so maybe that's what we'll do moving forward as an evolution of this uh, idea of a conversation uh, to be thinking like Indians watching cowboy films, thinking about political economy. <laughs> Indians watching primitive accumulation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to quickly read the IMBD summary because uh, theirs tend to be pretty, pretty good. Um, the Shane is a weary gunfighter fighter in 1880s Wyoming begins to envision a quieter life after befriending a homestead family with a young son who idealizes him, but a smoldering range war forces him to act. Shane rides into a conflict between cattlemen Riker and a bunch of settlers like Joe Star Starrett and his family whose land Riker wants. When Shane beats up Riker, Riker's man Chris, Riker tries to buy him. Then Shane and Joe take on the whole Riker crew. Riker sends to Cheyenne, which is not the people, but the capital of Wyoming, for truly evil gunslinger Wilson. <laughs> Shane must clear out all the guns from the valley. So Shane comes in to rectify the situation. And that's the title character in the name of the film. And that's a quick summary. Um, we, we don't have gun, we don't have any range wars anymore, do we? We don't. Let's bring back range wars. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say that. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't had a good range war in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything's going to be been... Trump's next platform. <laughs> Make America range wars again. <laughs> Everything's uh, international at this point. <laughs> we just need to meet up in the middle of like a uh, valley I in mean, Wyoming. I honestly, you know, also in the news, there's this, um, this uh, Chinese balloon. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was saying, like, I think it's kind of cool to have like a like a spy balloon. I, you know, I feel like it's very retro. I <laughs> it feels like uh, something out of a Bond movie or like a '60s Bond movie, not like not a Daniel Craig Bond movie, but like one with uh, the kind of the more over the top villains. You know, the like guy that has a cat. You know, that he's I think it's um or Goldfinger would have a, a spy balloon over Fort Knox or something. It just feels much more like in the realm of 60s spy drama. So, <laughs> right, right, right. So I mean, I speaking of that balloon, um, Navajo reporter uh, Arlissa, uh, she she responded to one of my Twitter posts and she said, uh, I, "Cause I told her I was like, I wish it went over the res," and she was like, "Oh yeah, so you can see all our uraniums." <laughs> <laughs> All our top secret See our deposits. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, it's old technology. The first spy balloon, I think, was during the U.S. Civil War, at least from a U.S. historical perspective. There might have been others, but we tend to center ourselves here. And so um, there was like, I think it was like the balloon was a new technology. This was in the 1860s, and they just 
guy just kind of went up to see what was going on on the battlefield, give himself <laughs> some aerial vantage point, and then like, I don't know, I don't remember the details, but I think at one point like, the battle was lost or like had changed. I don't know which side was winning or losing, and then like his side just like abandoned him, and he was like floating on the <laughs> ground, and <laughs> and then like the other side came and just like captured him. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, might be a mythology, but I think the idea of that is kind of funny. <laughs> just hovering, you guys know where to go. It's kind of like the Wizard of Oz, right? You know, he just like he doesn't know how it works, just flies off somewhere else. I don't know. Anyway, we're going off topic. This has nothing to do with Shane. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's it's all right. Wizard of POD, <laughs> POW. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, I think yeah. I mean, this 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 is a, a movie that's always been heavily. Um, ingrained in my mind not just for like the the actual a- actors and whatnot but i think the one thing i really like about it is the landscape like mm. the, the shots from behind yeah see the that was beautiful ranges. yeah i yeah. i've always appreciated that mainly for that particular aspect great so, so uh i guess what we can do is one of the first question we want to say is how racist was this movie like on a scale of daniel day lewis <laughs> to, john, to wayne. john wayne okay we're going to go through the categories um so I'm answering it now since you're leading the episode. Uh, <laughs> um, gosh, you know, I think, I think it was. Let's see, where what is an in-between character between those two, between Daniel Day-Lewis and John Wayne? Um, I would say it is. It's it scales more towards Daniel Day-Lewis mainly because there's hardly any native people in the movie. Right. <laughs> so like, had they been in there, I'm sure it would have like racist levels would have spiked. The <laughs> the racist meters would go off. But like, because there was n- native people didn't figure into the plot, there was little opportunity to be racist toward them. <laughs> right. Right. There was mention of it. The, 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 yeah. The, the time that they did mention of it was towards the going into the third act when uh the large uh, cattle owner cattle herder um was trying to get the family to move or at least uh tried to get them involved and become part of his his little corporation and he was like going on this long thing about like yeah you you just came here you moved here just recently but we were the men who who made it this way so that you could like you know live here we made it hospitable for you and then Right after that, um, Joe, who's like the father of um, Joe Jr., who's a little boy, and I think the mother's name is, um, I think it starts with an M, but I'll, I'll pull it up later. Uh, he, he responds like, what about the Indians and the fur traders? Like, that's the only time they ever mention natives. Yeah. And besides, like, uh, Shane's really nifty, his nifty, like, outfit, which is like this, like, tasseled uh, buckskin pants and and shirt that like oh that's his like super uniform i forgot right, about right. that that's his like yeah. that's his his uncivilized when he's about to go fight people uniform because I, I wanted to talk about that too is you see him when it like i guess we should just probably go through the movie like okay <laughs> like right, we did before chronolo- chronologically <laughs> yeah so so i because i i don't know i feel like i would help people um i guess this is spoiler alert so i i still think you should watch this movie but it opens up with shane riding through the uh this valley it's really pretty stumbles across this homestead that belongs to joe and uh their wife marianne that's what it was and then little joe and you know he just says hi um Mm -hmm. and he's he's greeted with like suspicion you know he's getting his horse his his horse some water and then big old joe comes by and he's got a gun he takes a gun from his son and he's like 
what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm just here to get some water. And he's like, get some water and get out of here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because Joe doesn't know who this person is and this person's like just riding in on, on property, which is kind of weird because I don't think you can do that. I feel like to just go on someone else's property like that warrants getting shot. But I guess this is like the beginning of property formation yeah. and attitude. <laughs> so maybe it's not quick to violence. Um but yeah, so he's like, I'm he's just a here. kind man. He doesn't shoot every intruder. <laughs> <laughs> he's not libertarian. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so you know, he says, "All right, I'll be on my way." And then right after that, this is where the the, the it introduces the villains, um, and, and the villain is this. I guess it's called the Riker. His the Riker name, gang. Yeah. Riker gang, and his name is Rufus Riker, played by Emil Meyer, and he, him and his little gang come in, and they start taunting him being like hey you guys need to get out of here um you know it 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 sets up the the tension between cattle almost said wrestlers but cattle herders and homesteaders Mm -hmm. and the homesteaders are supposed to be people who like raise who uh make crops but also like raise pigs and Mm -hmm. and sheep and whatnot and they kind of keep them enclosed and they have like a lot of like they call them uh, sod busters Mm. uh, uh pig something something it's like an insult for like pig people people who raise pigs oh okay and, yeah and then the other aspect too i should i forgot to mention that i thought was really unique and this is the first time i've actually paid attention i've never noticed this until we watched this movie for this particular episode was that the main motivation between that that causes the tension between Riker and the homesteaders is that Riker, as a cattle uh, owner he got a contract to sell the beef to the reservation. Yeah. And this is kind of where the political economy comes in a little bit. Um, and that's what he, he admits it. He's like, I just got a contract with the reservation and, you know, I need you guys to get gone. And then, <laughs> you know, the, the family's like, we got here le- We got here legally, you know, through, and, and they mention it. It's the Homestead Act of uh, 1862, which allowed uh, people to kind of go in. Just and take, take place. Indian land, basically. Right, right. And it was it was through the state that this was allowed to go by. And so you have the homesteaders who are backed by, like, the legalities, the legal apparatus of the state and this legislation. And then you have the cattle rustler. Oh, fuck. The cattle herder who is motivated by profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is an important point. And, like, it figures early in the movie, so it's interesting. Um, I think both you and I were attuned to this, like, right when we were watching it. We're like, oh, wow, you know, like, <laughs> there's this whole interesting backstory that isn't actually the main movie, but it's like, it really speaks to the issues that we study and we think about, like, within indigenous land dispossession, and then um, and then range wars are part of this kind of um, expansion of the cattle industry and this whole cowboy, cowboy culture they're all serving capitalists who are like owners of large livestock, Mm -hmm. large herds of livestock who then are, you know, given free range subsidized by Indian land dispossession, right? It's seen as a government government subsidy, but it's really a colonial subsidy. Mm -hmm. And they're like, they're allowed to have free range lands that used to be um, Buffalo range, which would support indigenous economy. So you're seeing what you see historically here is what is in the aftermath, the media aftermath of um, ecocide against buffalo, or I'm sorry, bison, and um, and uh, in, and attempted genocide and ethnic cleansing of uh, of indigenous nations in these areas. And it's supposed to be Wyoming, um, 
and I think it's set in Wyoming. There's some beautiful mountains in the backdrop that are kind of like the upper Rocky Mountains. And so the indigenous nations involved, which reservations they're referring to, are not mentioned. They could be um, anything from the Sioux Nations, the Crow Nation, to the... Uh, to the Arapaho, maybe in Colorado. I don't know. Um, and of course, this is a region that I'm n- less familiar with, but it's it's definitely a um, um, one of these things that we see parallels in, with uh, in the Southwest. Um, and um, if I can <laughs> talk a little bit about Huelte, our, um, our, our um, internment uh, as Diné people in Bosque Redondo, we... Um, we were, um, you know, forced into this small reservation, in quotes, like it was a kind of this this garrison concentration camp. It was like surrounded by military. There was both Diné and Apache people forced onto the same land, often subject to um, um, all sorts of violence from various groups. And um, um, there was like a, a brackish water that went through the middle of that reservation think it was a Picos River and um, and and they were concentrating this small area to grow agriculture in the way that white people grow agriculture and to move away from traditional a- agriculture anyway all of this is to say that a lot of the a lot of what the army did in the reservation was uh, was acquire or fil- fulfill contracts with uh, with livestock people with and grain people and it was well understood that that um that these people would overcharge the government because the government would pay for it and mm-hmm. um and so these were lucrative contracts uh it was like the indian affairs became this corrupt business where where um uh charlatans and hucksters would take advantage of the need to supply rations to 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 displace indigenous peoples and uh and they would earn a large profit from it and that's kind of the motivation for the villainous characters in in this uh, movie is that they're creating this like monopoly of uh, land ownership um and, or control of the land of land that they can range their cattle on instead of um sedentary types of livestock which was the the pig right mm-hmm. and the other kind like so they're saying this kind of use of land which actually like fulfills more of like settler colonialism like it's like oh we're we're moving people in to replace native people right. the replacement of natives that's what pig farming would be more consistent with but this this uh this range activity is actually generating some profit for these people who have control and power and have a lucrative contract with the uh, likely with the US military or the or the Office of Indian Affairs, I think is what they were called at that time, to um, to supply uh, uh, rations for reservations, which were bad quality stuff anyway. It wasn't like um, we were getting anything good in that deal. Like all of us, we were the ones getting the worst deal, the worst end of the deal. Whereas like these people were getting, you know, extra- extraordinarily. Be, uh, good contracts for like uh, bad products. So anyway, I'll stop talking there. No, I, I think that's great because when I thought about this movie, I didn't realize it in, in terms of that. But yeah, like it's when we talk about like the origins of capitalism, and we think about it's always framed in terms of like Europe or uh, the kind of the frontiers. But like you said, it's 
in terms of this time period, which is kind of at the end of the frontier era, like the closing of the frontier era um, in the late 19th century. And I should have mentioned this before, but the movie is supposed to take place in 1889. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that to give people the idea. Um, so like by now the Homestead era, the Homestead act has been in, in place for about 20 years. And, you know, for those who are unfamiliar with it, you know, I think in tandem with what Andrew's saying is that an act it, like legislating colonialism mm-hmm. and that sense that uh, people who supposedly didn't take arms up against the um, United States during the Civil War were allowed to claim about 160 acres of surveyed land that, that surveyed government land. And the whole point about it is that they were supposed to, like, live on it and improve it by cultivating the land. So, like, you know, you're already telling people what kind of land use it is that Mm -hmm. allows for like pig farming or like agriculture to be the main thing rather than cattle herding. Mm -hmm. Um, And after five years, the the folks who claimed it would then have it as a property besides a fee. And, you know, I I was looking at the uh, website for the Homestead Act from the government website. So Mm -hmm. this is (laughs) hopefully very true. But it said that a lot of the land that was given actually ended up in the hands of like speculators, like cattle Ah, owners, miners, loggers and railroads. And out of the 5 million acres of native land, 80 million acres actually went to homesteaders. So this kind of reflects the, the cattle baron uh, figure of, of Riker, Rufus Riker, in that these folks, you have like this small, you have these like two competing, two competing, uh, I don't want to say class, I guess kind of classes, but like, yeah. but they're both kind of capitalists in nature. That yeah. one's supposed to be like entrepreneurial spirit of like the settler and the other one is like this cattle baron who's just like raking in the profit yeah Um, not just on his own but through the government because it's the government that contracts and you know it's usually fraudulent yeah no these are all great points uh thanks for um contextualizing the homestead act i think that's all in the backdrop here and so it's really interesting how um how these these different kinds of uh characters and they're like they're like I can't think of the right word, but are they archetypes or they're in some ways representative of like different groups? So you have the livestock people, like you were saying, the the speculators, land speculators that are represented by these Rikers and they're like evil and devious and cunning and and mis- and they do all sorts of mischievous things. And then you have the earnest and honest and like loyal um homesteaders <laughs> so they're seen in this like glorified light they're seen in this really positive light right we have the uh, definitely good ca- good guys and bad guys in this story and the good guys are the homesteaders and so they're the ones that are doing the product of civilization of expansion of of u.s style democracy which was um white enfranchisement at that time mm-hmm. mainly white male enfranchisement and of course, these movies made in nineteen. This one's 1953. Don't ever talk about the fact that women didn't have any political voice, right? Formal political voice in this era. In fact, actually, their characters demonstrate it by the way that they act. So, <laughs> I mean, um, but like that. Uh, so, like, there's a certain kind of enfranchisement. There's a certain kind of um, person that is seen as an idealized settler. And this guy, uh, John, is his name, right? Joe. And Joe. Yeah. Joe is a main idealized settler. And uh, he's the one with the gun that doesn't immediately shoot Shane and then is coincidentally confronted by these guys <laughs> <laughs> who just happen to be like coming up at the same time. Sorry for the uh, the the sirens in the background. We're, we're 
<laughs> give us one second while the fire truck uh, <laughs> goes by. But yeah, these people who uh, coincidentally show up at the same time, Shane, exposed to Shane some of the kind of complications of, of land land management there uh, for these people. So everything's kind of set up in the first five minutes yeah, in that, that way. And yeah. that's like such, I mean, like the story writing was so good that in the first five minutes you know what the issue is like i'll that's, that's why i like this point movie. yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's 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 it doesn't there's no fat to this it's yeah. like it gets to the point but it does it in such a clever way script writers in in that era were much more efficient with time they like knew they had to get to 120 minutes <laughs> to tell a story it wasn't like a netflix contract where they're like okay we'll have like three episodes be the setup <laughs> that are 45 minutes long yeah yeah no i i that's what i appreciate about this is it, it got it got to it yeah. um so returning to the plot um you know you start to sense tension between uh, Rikers, Rife, Ruffet, I'll just say Riker, yeah. um, the cattle baron Riker, and the homesteader, and they're they're kind of getting tense, and they're about to like you don't know if they're gonna draw their guns and start firing, and you know Shane comes out of the background with his horse, and then they're like, oh, who's this guy? And he's like, I'm I'm a friend of Starts, um, <laughs> Star. It, the, his name is Joe Starlet, but it's not, the way they say it's like Joe Starch, and yeah. um, so anyways, the, and then it, it causes them to back off. Yeah. And so then that's how the family becomes friends with Shane is it's like, hey, you, you stood behind us and, you know, you were going to fight for us if things went down. So yeah. why don't you come on in, you know? Um, and so, you know, the family feeds him. He introduces himself and, you know, he eats. They eat food together. Um, and there's this like bonding moment. I think it's like I, I would argue it's one of the first montages. I don't know. I'm, I could be very over. I think it's one of the first times I've ever seen a montage in a movie this old is the montage of like after they eat, um, Shane leaves and then the wife's like, are you going to go ask him to stay over? And he's like, oh, yeah, I was just about to do that. <laughs> and, and this goes again to the movie. Yeah. The movie is that the, the way that it's shot is that I, again, I forgot to mention this, but you start you see Shane start hacking at this tree stump. Oh, and, and I forgot it, about that. And then, you know, he, he starts hacking at the tree stump and then Joe starts, you know, sees this as a way to start taking down this tree stump because He's a good relative. Yeah. In the three <laughs> in the three minutes of the movie, it opens up with Shane coming in and that's what Joe's doing. He's trying to chop down this tree. And so in the next 10 minutes, you start seeing them actually work at something in this kind of like settler camaraderie comes through frontier camaraderie <laughs> of taking down this tree stump and then they're like smiling they're hitting in the camera there's something homoerotic about that whole thing <laughs> <laughs> you know I, <laughs> if you want i mean it's really interesting to watch because of the way it's filmed like i think they both take their shirts off right and they're like these big muscular men and they're like high-fiving each other and giving <laughs> each other hugs and they're like uh like got these big like tools and they're just like really working at this log yeah and um i don't know it was really interesting there's some sort of weird i guess reading it by 2023 standards sexual tension between yeah shane and uh and that joe joe yeah and then shane and also joe's wife right so <laughs> there's like a, there's a whole thing going on there's also the sorts of subtle things between all of them yeah that's really interesting to, to watch play out and so anyway so this is one of those first moments where i'm like wow those two are really bonding over that tree stump <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know and then it, after they they cut it down and they're like the the music's the music swell kind of comes to an end and you know they go to sleep and they decide the next the following day to go to the town and again this is uh, I'll explain why this movie is so good and why the screenwriting is so good is um, the wife says, oh, you're going to town. Are you you got to get this. And then uh, Joe goes, yeah, I know. I need to pick something up. 
and you know they give Shane new clothes. He's no longer wearing his like deerskin buckskin clothes <laughs> with the tassels, looking like uh, a 1950s like Stephen Gauls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm convinced Steven Seagal watched this movie and was like, "I want to wear tassels for the rest of my life." Um, but anyways, uh, so they go into town. It's Joe, it's um, Little Joe, and it's the um, the dad. The whole family and Shane go into town, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Shane goes inside, you know, and again, the, the, the people, the store that they go to is, um, I guess has like a side by bar. So mm-hmm. they connect to one another Yeah. and Joe, little Joe, Joe jr. Says, Hey Shane, I want to get a soda pop. Uh-huh. And so he's Shane noticing that there's like these men taunting the other homesteaders oh, that came that's with right. him. He's like, uh, he, he doesn't necessarily like he, it's so good. He's like, I'll, I'll get it for you because he doesn't want them to taunt him. Yeah. So then he goes in there. And um, while he goes in there, um, uh, wait, which character wanted a soda pop? The little Joe. The little Joe. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, the kid. Yeah, the kid. Yeah. And while he's doing that, again, this is, uh, um, you know, he he goes inside the uh, bar, and he's like, you know, he puts his money down, and again, it's a, it's a very masculine yeah. cowboy movie, so he's like, can I get a soda pop? And everybody in the bar starts laughing because here's like, supposedly it's like he's supposed to get whiskey. Or right, something. right, yeah. right, and they're like soda pop, <laughs> and um, you know, they the the. The Rikers men start teasing Shane, yeah. and they throw, they throw drinks on him. Again, Shane <laughs> just is like, you know what, I'm good. Takes his soda pop and then goes back out. And then as they're leaving, um, you know, he goes up to the store clerk and was like, hey, uh, I need to pick this up for Joe. And he goes, oh yeah, Joe's been, I've been holding this uh, for Joe for months. And it goes back to that really superb writing that it hints at w- the what that store owner said was that yeah I've, I've been holding this item for joe for about a whole month four months right now yeah. and it hints at the fact that joe big joe yeah didn't want to go to the store because yeah. he had to deal with the Riker. and i was like oh i never picked up on that. yeah yeah and it no. shows that like this this store just and its sidebar just have been a site of tension for him that you know joe the father just never wanted to go to town so yeah. anyways no that's a really good point i mean i really do like this style of writing where things are implied and they don't have to be overstated like which is so common today i'd hate to sound like that but that's true (laughs) but it's like like there's another thing that um that is just like said in a moment um and that's there's one point uh it's either before after this i'm sorry i'm forgetting exactly where it happens but it's a similar type of thing where it conveys some background where joe is like practicing or he's shooting and like he draws his gun super fast oh yeah like and it's like oh it's just you don't even have to have a backstory you don't have to have an origin story for for him not joe shane but you don't have to have an origin story for him just the fact that he can draw his gun fast and he's kind of hiding it tells you so much like it tells you he has this past he used to be this kind of guy he's dangerous but he's he's being subtle and (laughs) like he's not trying to provoke fights but you do know he has that in him yeah so like when he does go to the soda bar or to the bar i should say and he orders the soda it's not like anybody else going to it you know he has a capacity to do violence mm-hmm. and you only know that because of that one scene right right but at the beginning yeah, yeah but that it tells you that so like all of these things are being told to you without having to have like long exposition and dialogue and it's just like quick little things here and there references yeah. that give you that clue you in that this is the background you know the rikers are intimidating people you know this by the fact that they're holding on to this stuff that joe couldn't get or that shane's really dangerous because he accidentally like 
draws super fast he gets nervous or he then he's teaching the kid how to shoot and he's also super fast and so there's like little hints uh, dropped here and there to kind of tell you what's going on with all of these characters right they the show background. you rather than yeah. telling you show and tell yeah exactly. yeah yeah like at the beginning when that kid was like going bang 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 and then yeah. chain would just like grab his gun and like turn in that direction right exactly oh, like he's so very good. yep yep that's all they needed to show right <laughs> like and, and and that like the yeah, yeah. So I agree. Like yeah. th that's why again, repeating. Yeah. Even though we talk shit about western movies, this is one of those movies that uh, the writing and the the way they show things is just so concise. It's like mm -hmm. okay. Um. Anyways. Yeah. So back to the plot. So they leave the bar, they go home, and then they meet up with other homesteaders, and they're like, "Hey, we need to have a, a homesteader meeting about this," and. They're like, oh, what are we going to do about it? And this is where we're introduced to a guy named Frank Stonewall Tor Tory. Stonewall's a funny name yeah, to I mean, throw he's, in there. <laughs> he's a hot-tempered ex-Confederate. That's why he has the name Stonewall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's like, what are we going to do about this? And, you know, this, the Joe's like, the I'll say Big Joe's like, hey, we just need to work together. We can't, if, you know, we got to stay strong um, and we can't let him push him out. And, you know, there's some hesitations among the other homesteaders of like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. But he's like, here's what we're going to do. Let's all go back to the store um, tomorrow, all of us. Because again, what we when Shane got in a fight, or he chose not to fight, was just the family and Shane. Mm -hmm. But after seeing how Shane handled it, and you know, he's like, "Why don't we just all go together? All the homesteaders go into town. We grab our stuff and then we go home. You know, we're better. Uh, we're more. We're protected in a pack, I suppose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, they're like, "Oh, okay." And then someone <laughs> makes a comment about Shane. I think it was Frank uh, Stonewall. He was there. He witnessed how they treated Shane. And um, he's like, what, is that guy going to help us? I've seen him how he does it. You know, oh, he, he's right. already like calling. He's claiming that Shane's a coward. But again, when you're the audience and you're watching this movie, you, you know that Shane like, has the capacity to kill. Yeah. Anyways. And so, you know, they decide to go together. Yeah. Um, but this again, this is where that Confederate person comes in. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> there's always some. I mean, I guess it makes sense that you got, they, yeah. to have a Western without a Confederate is just kind of like. Confederates oh. are like. I don't know if it, I'm sure people have written about this in film studies, but they're always like in these Westerns for sure. They definitely play a big part in narrating the different groups that are there yeah. and like um, everything from like, uh, um, which maybe we'll eventually talk about like the Clint Eastwood spaghetti Westerns. And there's always like some weird Confederate reference in them <laughs> or, um, or, you know, uh, Teresa and I talked about, um, um, uh, the John Ford movies like uh, like the searchers there's a uh, like the main characters an ex-confederate too so there's there's these weird ex-confederate things that happen in these movies and I'll quickly say something about that since we're talking about it like this ex-confederate he's like he does a couple things that are are propagating a certain narrative about the confederacy uh, at this time and uh, one of them is like he there's a point in the movie where he's like we're celebrating states' rights, or like we're celebrating the greatest state in the union, Alabama, which was like kind of <laughs> really came out of nowhere. <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> no, no, no. Did you catch it? I, again, I never caught this, but right after he said that, someone's like, "I'm from Wyoming." <laughs> like it's just so random. Like yeah. there's like subtle uh, hints of humor yeah. that I like. Like it's just background actors saying, "I'm from Wyoming." Like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, I didn't know what he was, because I didn't really get where they were at. And then he's like, we're going to celebrate the greatest state of the union, or the, we're going to celebrate the greatest state, is what he was referring to. And then he was like, Alabama. And then and then to 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 
what 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 they're doing, what the filmmakers are doing, is they're kind of perpetuating this myth that the Civil War was about states' rights, mm-hmm. and so they don't uh, they don't ever address in slavery or enslavement. They um, you know, there's no reference to black people or black people are not in this movie, right? Um, and um, and and the legacy of Confederate and racial violence is not discussed. Um, and uh, this guy, when a spoiler. When he's eventually killed, he um, he uh, he's given a burial where like an ex-Union soldier like plays uh, Dixie on the harmonica, which is like kind of showing this like unity between the two opposing forces at some point. Like the white, the two white sides are mm-hmm. coming together, um, and it's kind of like the the failure of Reconstruction. It speaks to that, you know, like right. oh, like the will will empower will like memorialize the dead white confederates and not talk about like the crimes of racial violence as part of the confederacy or enslavement and these these tropes were like really popular in um in westerns and i think they continue to be um but like that's uh that was kind of uh something i saw in the background like oh it's a certain kind of narrative about the confederacy right. that's, that's being used right i mean it, it's funny they mention that because the biggest insult in this movie is low down yankee liar like, that's right <laughs> it's, it's how one person got killed and then it's how shane used it to instigate a fight um against the the final fight but um yeah, I'll leave it at that. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so the homesteaders all together go to the town one more time, or not one more time, but they go to town with Shane. And again, this time Shane's looking to fight. And so he grabs a soda pop, he goes in the bar, and then he throws the drink on the person who threw it on him first, and they start punching each other. And this is also <laughs> the time in the movie where I was like, wait a minute. Why does the cattle baron look like Karl Marx? And why is this about <laughs> primitive <funny>. accumulation? <laughs> and then, you know, there's a big yeah. old fight. And then, you know, Shane is starting to get overtaken. And then um, little Joe sees him peeking under the bar swinger thingy doors. Yeah. And then he runs to his dad and he goes, Dad, Dad, Shane, they're going <laughs> to kill him, Shane. They're going to kill Shane. And then, you know, Joe runs in there. And then, the, again, this is like the wood, the, the stump chopping axe. Yeah. The, the scene there where they start fighting together. Um, and they just start punching people. And I love the one thing I like about these Western films is just how overdramatic they act when they get punched. Like they just like <laughs> fly, throw their hands up. And you're like, I don't know if you would do that. And they got these like these like uh, sound effects that are kind of uh, they all are the same sound effect. It's like the slapping the meat is like <laughs> every time it's just like the same sound every time they get punched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they, they come out victorious. And it's in this point of the movie where like. Uh, Riker's like, we need to hire a gun because they yeah. realize Shane isn't normal or it isn't like the homesteaders and is willing to actually put up a fight. And then this is where like this and it's a weird anti-gun gun message in this movie where it's like guns are just a tool. Guns are bad. And, you know, people it's are like, we don't need, yeah. you know, I don't know what was going on with guns in the 1950s, but, um, you know, and then and Riker's like, we got to settle this with guns, but we got to <laughs> do it legally. And so they hire the, the gunslinger villain, Jack Palance, who we mentioned in the beginning. And this is kind of where things are less about fist and more about guns. Yeah. And, um, you know, they go back, they celebrate their victory. And again, Tori Stonewall hearing this, he's like, all right, I'm going to go by myself. He goes to the town by himself with one other person, you know, and then he gets because he's called a low, low down, dirty uh, Yankee or low down Yankee liar. Yeah. He gets shot by the he gets killed. Yeah. And um because it's a legal shooting, a legal murder, or a legal killing, I guess, uh, due to the rules at that time and because it was not instigated by him, um, 
you know, he's allowed to die. They, they bury him, and um, people are really scared. They're like, oh, shit. They're willing to actually start killing people now. There's a, there's a lot of this in, in these kind of, this era of Western. Um, it's interesting. I don't know what to think about it, but I, I watched something else recently, and I need to remember them. I wanted to actually finish the movie. I just started watching part of it. But it was the same idea where it was like um, somebody's trying to instigate a fight, and if they can successfully instigate the fight where it's like is seen as an even match where they're drawing, mm-hmm. then it's it's become a legal killing, and that's something that they always show in these westerns. It's like so basically this gunslinger, what he's trying to do is like start a fight by saying stuff, and if the other person engages and tries to draw their gun, they're free to be killed. And right. That's what happened in this case where the hot-headed ex-Confederate is taunted enough by the gunslinger who actually whose perspective I was like agreeing with at that time because yeah. he was like he's like those confederates are all losers and right. stuff like that I was like oh yeah I kind of like this guy they now. made him the villain too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like and then and then the guy's like getting really mad he's like I'll show you and then he like starts drawing his gun but the other guy's way too fast he has his guns completely <laughs> drawn before the other guy even has it part, part out of his holster right. and then he realizes his fate like his doom is looks over his face I thought this was, was an interesting way to show it and then and the guy's like okay and then he just shoots him i thought he was going to like let him go because right. he had our gun completely drawn on him <laughs> but he like <laughs> he, he had clearly beaten him in the in the in the um in in the draw and then the guy realizes it and he has his hand halfway in his holster and he's like <laughs> oh shit and then the guy just shoots him dead and uh, and that's the end of that scene. And it was seen as legal because he had provoked the fight. The right. ex-Confederate had provoked the fight. I mean, it, it speaks to, like, the violence on the frontier. The internal violence. I guess domestic yeah. between, like, settlers. And then, I don't know. I've, I've, it's been a while since I read that Roxanne, Rox, uh, Roxanne, uh, Roxanne Dunbar tease book about the Second Amendment and, like, how oh, guns right, right, and, right. And, and whole self-defense is actually shaped by settler colonialism. And in this case, it kind of is. It's like one of those like <laughs> legal killings that you're like, ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, at the, at the funeral, you know, they're like, oh, we, we're getting scared. We're thinking about leaving. And then um, as they're, they're, they're starting to abandon it. And what ends up happening is someone gets their house burned down and someone also gets uh, their fences taken down and the cattle run through it. Yeah. And... You know, Joe being the leader of the homesteaders, like, that's whack. You know, we're going to work together. We're going to yeah. rebuild your house for you. And, you know, yeah. the happy montage of them all working together and doing that. And they're like, okay, yeah. we'll stay here for a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and I think just due to time, I think what we can do is I want to jump to this one portion of the movie that I sure. hinted at before, which is the beginning of the third act, which is Riker sees that the homesteaders, it's not too far after what I've been discussing, but Riker sees the homesteaders are actually just galvanizing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he goes, he, him and his posse go to meet the family. It's at night, but it's shot for day. It's uh, day shot for night. Uh, you know, they had a lot of those too. I noticed that <laughs> the mountain, the mountain snow was so bright. I was yeah. like, this had to be shot. So what Marley's day. referring to is uh, that they obviously shot the film during the day and they just put a filter over the camera, like a really dark filter to <laughs> pretend like it's light. It's night. <laughs> It was a technique they used back then on the fly, I think, and it it look it's so obvious. It looks jarring to by today's standards. It's really hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so so okay, so it's filmed like that, and um, then you have this like little go between between uh, Big Joe and Riker, 
And this is hinting at kind of the settler colonial aspect of this movie, which is Riker goes, I'm older than you. You know, I came to this country before you were even born. M me and the, our generation who's already dead, uh, a lot of them are dead, made this country hospitable for you. You know, we cleared out the Indians. Yep. You know, we made it, uh, we made it, we provided the conditions for your livelihood here. And then Big Joe, you know, obviously goes, no. If that, I kind of like by your logic, yeah. you know, what about the natives and the fur chappers? Yeah. And that Riker doesn't really say anything to that. Yeah. Um, and he's like, but we have every right to be here. Yeah. You know, and then this whole conversation was prompted by Riker trying to get the family to be like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll let you stay here. Yeah. And you'll work for me. And but we'll get rid of all of them. Yeah. And this goes back to, again, like this settler colonial project of like competing land uses pretty much that have yeah. similar profit motives. One being cattle, which is just um, uh, uncontrolled, like uh, grazing pretty much. Yeah. And. You know, Big Joe goes, you know, that, 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 that type of way, that type of making living isn't good anymore. Like, you can't do much with that, you know. You'll yeah. ruin the land. And it's this Which weird. Which they do. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this environmental <laughs> aspect. And then he's like, whereas here, you know, we try to keep it diverse. We keep it, like, within. A, like, I didn't a, catch that. That's funny. Yeah, That's within a limited use. Yeah. And he's like, your old way of doing things is, is gone. And I say that because it's also drawn, it, kind of going into the third act eventually. But um, I'll. I'll tug on it again when we get there but you know they have this in between and eventually it's just like Riker realizes like this family isn't going to go anywhere and he's like well I want to make a proposition with you yeah. come to the um, store and again this is the whole point of hiring a gun is he wants to provoke Joe to you know get shot um, Shane picks up on this I mean it was kind of an obvious ambush setup. like <laughs> let's go to my store <laughs> where I have all my posse and all sorts of hidden you know <laughs> Wait, I don't oh, know it's kind of obvious like, what was going to happen I, that was the other point yeah. I wanted to make sorry I always yeah, yeah, tangent. Go ahead. but like the kind of class interest the alliance between the merchant and the, the cattle owner yeah. who's like the merchant doesn't do much you know he's just kind of but he like doesn't by, by him not doing anything it allows for the cattle owner to like kill people and everything but it's like if you think about the details like there's like capitalist like interest that between the merchant and the cattle owner that I was yeah. like wait a minute yeah. I was like what are you, you you should be doing something anyways yeah. Um, so yeah yeah the obvious ruse to get an ambush Shane picks up on this and he just knocks out he fights Joe and says, I'm going to go in his place. Well, can I interrupt you for, for a it, second? For yeah, I think this is a really important scene. It's a really interesting one. Um, I definitely like rewound it a couple times to catch like all the details of it as it was tra as it was unfolding. But like, yeah, it was like there's this point of where Joe, I feel like Joe knows it's an ambush, too. But he has this like sense of obligation mm -hmm. to follow through and he brings his gun and like this is that speaking back to what you were saying like oh guns are like are kind of some westerns like even today's westerns they just assume everybody had guns and they're like oh everybody's running around with a gun <laughs> in this case it doesn't really it portrays it differently and maybe it's more accurate in this movie than in uh today's westerns where like there was maybe one gun in the household and they like only use it on occasion well there's like two in this case there's a shotgun and a and a pistol and so he gets out his pistol and he's going to take his pistol and go um, go to this meeting with uh, with these with these bad guys, <laughs> the Rikers, and um, and and he knows he's being ambushed. His wife at least knows he's being ambushed, and his wife gets involved, and is like, 
can't you not go like what about mm. your future with uh with me and and mm -hmm. little joe and little joe's just such a weird annoying kid that he doesn't pick up on any of these he's <laughs> just like bang 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 the whole time while this is all going on he's like got this i don't know he's a child actor you can't blame him well i mean least. i think yeah. it hints at the tension of like a on an uh, ensuing gunfight that's gonna exactly happen. like he's this background chatter he's this background noise that's always like bang 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 that's a good point yeah so like anyway um, so they have this they have this argument between Joe and um, and, uh, and Joe's wife. Yeah. yeah, Marianne. And Joe's wife is also like, I don't know. She kind of slightly flirts with Shane. Mm -hmm. I think she I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. But like they dance together. There's a scene earlier where like they're having a party and they're all dancing. And right. like Shane, uh, Joe can't dance. So Shane and her are dancing. And right. they're like kind of really intimate at that point. And then. Uh, and then it's like, for me, my mind was thinking like, oh, does uh, Joe get killed? And then Shane is like the head of household. All right. of a sudden he kind of set because he's been like kind of acting fatherly to Shane, to Joe's kid. And, uh, you know, maybe the script writer set it up to give you that kind of false ending, mm -hmm. which is like a, a screenwriting device where they're like, oh, you're like setting up a false ending or like you, you're leading the audience to think this before you do that. Right. And I, it did work for me because I was thinking, oh, this is what's going on here. Shane's the man who stepped up, the dad who stepped up. Yeah, <laughs> Shane's going to be the dad that steps up. <laughs> and um, and he's going to take over the household and he's going to kill off the Rikers and he's going to like be the homesteader that like marries that woman in the end while her original husband like vi violently dies in this ambush. But actually the, pl the scene takes out transpires very differently and so i'll stop there no i mean the, yeah that argument is important because it also hints at the like underlying responsibility comes from this like i'm the man of the house like st uh gender roles and whatnot because marianne throughout the movie is like i don't we can leave like there's no reason why we we can't just pick up and go like for her like this homestead isn't worth it whereas him it's like oh we gotta we gotta keep it's going principle <laughs> right right and and then like you said it's it's difficult because yeah you do get hints that like marianne has feelings for Shane um but it's like it's hard because it's like is that just like how movies are portrayed then or like could there be more of a platonic aspect behind it but I don't know I mean it's the 1950s so I imagine that's just kind of like you have this of course you have to have like the most masculine dude have like you know the most appeal to the women around him yeah um so you know they fight and then Shane takes his gun he changes his clothes he gets out of his like quote-unquote civilian you know civilized dress appearance and puts on his buckskins and gets his gun and then he he starts riding to the um to the uh, store and then you know again little joe's like uh, who's at this point really starts this to was see a really interesting point too he, like <laughs> <laughs> wait so the the fight between so there's a fight between marianne and joe yeah and then like and then there's a fight between joe and shane yeah and that fight lasts forever right. it's like three minutes of like <laughs> everybody they're like <laughs> fighting on the floor uh, they're like each getting good shots in and and they're like uh i don't know it's it's really interesting and eventually eventually shane um hits him on the head yeah with his gun which i guess the son who was finding the whole thing entertaining oh, yeah yeah then he thinks for some reason that's unfair and then he's like <laughs> i hate you shane <laughs> and then shane rides off and then his mom's like what if he dies? That's the last thing he's going to say to me. He's like, oh, shit. And then he, <laughs> and then the kid starts following Shane. 
and the kid and the dog start following Shane. Right, right, So, right. anyway. Continue. No, no, I think that's yeah. good, yeah. Because I, I was always surprised by, like, how Shane's on a horse, and the kid's running. How does he catch up and, that's, and, and see I it at the same time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that kid's like a skinwalker or something. <laughs> He's going fast. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. so Shane goes into the bar. He walks in. He sees uh, Jack Palance, or Jack Wilson. He sees Karl Marx sitting in the back, <laughs> and then Karl Marx. uh, 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 Marx's capital. Karl <laughs> <laughs> Marx's brother, one of the Riker brothers, uh, he's upstairs on the second stair with the rifle, but Shane doesn't know he's upstairs, and so um, Shane comes in, takes a drink, and then looks at the uh, at the. Uh, um, oh, I'm sorry. Before he before he starts engaging in the gunslinger, he talks to Riker, and he's like, "Hey." You know, this is and this is go. This is where I said again about this idea of like um, that third act speech between uh, between Riker and Big Joe, kind of makes itself again into this one, which is between Riker and Shane about like, hey, the time, the time, the era for you and me is over. Uh-huh. Like we we need to like kind of let go of it, or we just need oh, to move on. The gunslinging era. Yeah, the gunslinging era, the cattle bearing, like this kind yeah. of violence. It kind of hints at like this liberalized, like oh, that was. The violence is then, you know, yeah. we're, we're not, we're no longer violent. And, yeah. um, but it's interesting to see that like Shane puts him in the same kind of like era as this, uh, cattle baron. Um, and you know, the cattle baron's like, no, you know, we're never going to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he turns and he turns to the shooter and he goes, are, are you Wilson? And then he goes, yeah. And he's like, I heard you were a low down Yankee liar. And then of <laughs> course, Wilson responds, responds and goes, prove it. And that's when the gunfire, the gun, the, the, the gunfight happens and again shane wins like it's just as the relative horse between uh stonewall and jack wilson in the first fight is just super uneven in this case shane just really just out outguns him it's kind of like he already yeah. has his gun out way before jack wilson has his and he just yeah. shoots him yeah and then you know quickly turns his gun on the other guy who pulls out his gun carl marx <laughs> shoots, shoots him, him and then he sees that okay these two that i know are the only people in here that I know of are dead. Okay. He puts his gun back in and starts walking out. And that's when the other Riker brother from the second story comes with the rifle. And then this is where Joey comes in and goes, Shane, look out. And then he, like, <laughs> he does this, like he turns around, drops to his knees and pulls the gun out. And the other guy gets a shot off and Shane shoots that guy. And then, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Shane wins. But I didn't notice this, but again, I guess Shane's bleeding. Yeah. And so, you know, Shane goes with the Joey. Joey's like, are you okay, Shane? You know, it's like, you're bleeding, Shane. And then Shane's like, you need to go back to your parents. You yeah. Know? Run and all the way back home. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Shane's like, and I, I was here to he- curious to hear you, I hear your take on this. But Shane says, no, you know, go live with your family. You know, this is why we don't play with guns, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of that whole speech. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm brushing over it because I don't remember it right yeah. now. And then Shane rides off. And I recently read, preparing for this and watching this movie, that there's a, there was this debate of whether or not Shane died at the I end. I was thinking that. Yeah, it's left ambiguously. Right, yeah. or if he just kind of got shot and was just walking away. Some people were saying he slumped. I always, went previous to this watching, I thought he got shot and was fine. Yeah. But, you know, I think due, due to, like, the morality of, like, the 50s in movies, you can't really have a... Even, I, I don't know, I was, this is what I wanted to hear your opinion on, is you can't really have a... I don't know if Shane's an anti-hero or a hero, but oh, like yeah, you can't yeah. because he killed because the someone. Production code. Yeah, like the yeah. production code. Like he has to either either die explicitly or be ambiguous, and you know he's supposed to tell the audience like, "Don't be like me." 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is and this is like he he kind of like slumps over and and in the background of the thing you even when Shane's on top of the mountain range, you still hear Joey going, Shane, Shane, come back, Shane. I love you, Shane. <laughs> you know, and then it's and then the movie ends. Yeah. I've yeah. always like I never I didn't know that was a thing, yeah. but I like to think he lived. Yeah. But I think that whole code of the morality is because he killed like three people. You know, you can't yeah. really let him. It has to be ambiguous, pretty yeah. much. But I, yeah. I, I'm, so you thought he died? Oh no, I didn't know if he died or not. And the same thing, it was left ambiguous because um, he is injured, and he's like, he's injured, and you don't know if it's a fatal shot or not. Like, obviously, he can only be killed if like somebody did something sneakily. He mm-hmm. wasn't, he wasn't shot in a fair fight. The guy was like hidden above the uh, rafters with a shotgun, looking down at him. And then he he brushes it off with uh, little Joe to say like oh he's fine but he has some blood coming out so it's an, it's it's a it, I don't know how the book ends it would be interesting to see how the book ends if this is faithful to the book interpretation but I think they just purposefully left it open for interpretation and you can argue either way I, I think on this case because. Um, uh, I can see in there, like he is riding off into nowhere. So right. like if he's injured, like you would want to seek medical attention generally. Yeah. Um, but he's like, he's like uh, going out into the range, into the mountains. And so it's like, oh, okay, is he going out there to die? Um, or does he know of some other place where he can get help? Or does he figure that it actually isn't that big of a deal and he can just keep moving? Um I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't recommend treating gunshot wounds this way. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever have that situation happen, don't Seek just ride off help. into the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a res dog thing. Yeah. I, like res dogs, before they die, they kind of just give you one more like hug and then they just the, walk, they just off, into walk the off into the wilderness. And then you never see them <laughs> exactly. again. I was thinking it was kind of like a dog. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. I, I, yeah, so I, I didn't know that. And yeah. I've, I've always wondered that. And I think there's something about that because it does remind me of, I don't, did you ever watch that Jordan Peele movie, Nope? Yes, I eventually Remember, watched like, that. Remember, like, at the yeah. end, spoilers again, but at the yeah. end, you see the brother, because you're like, is he dead? But then you see him, and he's, like, in the distance, and then on top, it says nowhere, and people are like, is he alive, or is that a figment of his imagination, because he's in the distance with the nowhere thing? Yeah. Like, I think it, I, yeah. it reminds me of that scene, That's where, interesting. like, you have Shane just kind of going off in the wilderness, and you're like, I don't know. Nope, it's kind of like a Western. We should do that one. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. that'd be great. Um, cool. Yeah, so I, we have some final questions. We're, we're coming yeah. up to an hour, actually, yeah, or 55 yeah. we minutes. Yeah, just, like, wrap it up soon then. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, what what are the most – I'll ask you these questions. Okay. You know, sure. what are the most uh, important contextual elements that modern viewers should be aware of? We kind of oh, hinted at I forgot about these it. questions. Yeah, um, I, think, I think, like, uh, what we talked about in the beginning, which is the, um, the Homestead Act, which mm-hmm. you did a good job summarizing, and um, – and the reservation contracts that were um, done in a way that was benefiting a lot of range owners and uh, and suppliers and and at a you know starving Indian people, and uh, this was part of the reason. In fact, going back to Bosque Redondo, um, why it was a motivation for Sherman to end that co- that reservation um, and allow us to return to the Navajo, what is now the Navajo Nation, wasn't like out of like kindness it was like oh we're spending too much money supplying Mm -hmm. this reservation so it did have like effect politicians noticed it it was like something that was a political issue regardless of the morality or the humanity involved (laughs) so you know for them it was about money and dollars and cents and um 
and uh, which can kind of like, th- you know, we can think about that in our contemporary politics too. But like, um, yeah. And then in the fifties, like we, we talked about this a little bit, like um, there are some w- clear gender roles at play. There's like uh, the docile home, uh, mm-hmm. homesteader wife. Right. Who's been betrayed here with v- very little agency. Um, can't stop. But I mean, she does have uh, opinions that are different from her husband's and she does like, right. She's a little bit more like of a character that I uh, empathize with than other characters. She right. has more, she's fleshed out better in yeah. some ways. And, um, hi. And, uh, and so I think that, um, you know, just kind of thinking about like the gender politics of the fifties is a big part of this. Um, and, uh, to me, what really felt fifties was the, uh, was the, uh, soda that they got (laughs) at the bar. I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) I don't know if this was a thing back then, but like, it definitely was something people did in the fifties. So I don't know. It was kind of funny. No, I, I agree. I, I I won't add to, to any of that. Um, I did find myself agreeing with Marianne more. Um, but anyway, so, uh, I guess, yeah. (laughs) Is that Oshkosh Bagosh? Yeah. We were just talking about that yesterday. (laughs) I used to wear those a lot when I was his age. Our, my kid is here for those who are listening. I <laughs> don't um, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> We're talking not about talking Shane. about Shane. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what are the most dated elements of the movie? Hmm. Bad guys, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, he, he's saying podcasts. <laughs> oh, podcasts. There you go. Hi. It's your mama. Hey. Yeah. Okay. It's going good. Yeah. No, no, we're almost done. Don't worry about it. Oh. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> no, we'll keep it. <laughs> Shane, the the most uh, dated elements yeah. are well. I think we also talked about this somewhat, like the the filming, the fact that they use those like filters for nighttime filming. Right. Um. Uh. The lack of any kind of like uh, people of color. There's no oh. people of color in this movie at all. Um. And then the gender roles. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right about yeah. that. I I think. I th- the, w- the it's, there's a very f- besides like the obvious like gender roles and whatnot, yeah. the filmmaking and the screenwriting I I would argue are outdated because no one does shit like that like it's so concise and so good right. like <laughs> I, I I can't stress it enough the yeah. movie is there's no there's no fat yeah and it, like their screenwriting is so good that it hints at things that happen in the f- in the future that you're like oh okay there it is but um I I, I agree with what you're saying. I might want to just remove this question because there are elements in all these movies that are dated, but there's also, like, things that are done better in these movies than in today's uh, movies or or TV series or whatever. And we talked about that, too, like the efficiency in writing, that the the cinematography is sometimes much better. Yes. The use of outdoor sets is much better. I don't know. Like, there's so much that... I think a lot of people don't watch these because they're old um, and they don't know about them, obviously, because they're 60 years old sometimes. But, right. But, you know, they're actually like there's some things that have been lost in in the in the decades about storytelling and um, about representation of this era that I think um, sometimes these movies do do a better job at. Right, right, right. I guess I, that yeah. that answers the final question of should people watch it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. This is one of those movies where yeah. I if I, I I recommend it to people. I mean, I don't know. People always get weirded out when you like tell them like, "Hey, you should watch this movie from the fifties. Yeah. And they're like, it's going to be racist. It's like, yeah, everything. Most, most <laughs> of the things produced then are, are racist. Yeah. But this is one of those movies. that's just so good that I'm like, 
I don't yeah. mind. I, I wish I could dress up as Shane for a for you a should Halloween. Do it and say this is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, well, yeah. Thanks for organizing this. Yeah. No, I appreciate yeah. it. I, I, like I said, this I rewatching this movie made it in, in terms of like grad school and everything, and like learning about political economy. I'm just like this is like again as I mentioned, it's a, it's a classic movie about primitive yeah. accumulation and like like yeah like just agrarian capitalism. I don't I don't know. If, yeah, I guess agrarian capitalism and livestock capitalism for lack lack of better words yeah. at least in this particular context but yeah 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 no um yeah it was it was interesting to think about the background factors uh, involved maybe we should next time not today but because we didn't prepare for it but we'll do like book recommendations on side of it like <laughs> we could be like oh william cronin and uh mm. and like uh nature's metropolis which talks about like the range and meat industry and, and rail and like how they expanded cities in the east for the production of meat in the west and so maybe that's what you should do that that should be an alternative question like what books do you think yes what you should Instead read in, of, yeah, in lieu of this let's do that next time yeah I, and, and we can always i think what we'll do with this episode is we'll just get a list of readings and put it in this uh, the little description of it so yeah. we may not mention it on this recording but you can if you go through the description you'll see a list of start things. start with a picture of marks <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll all leave right. it at that